Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to this episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me, as always, is Go Tigers 247 founder, Brooks Hansen, and Go Tigers 247 digital content creator, Kenny Stubblefield. And guys, we are recording on Monday night, so we are less than a week away from the season opener. Never thought it would get here. We're finally here. It's game week. How excited are you guys for Memphis football to return this Saturday? It's a miracle. Football, 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 football. I mean, I'm just disappointed that I'm looking at the the 15 day forecast that the the 75 degree weather day isn't this Saturday. God, that would be. Can you imagine if it were 7 p.m. kickoff with a like 68 degrees on a Saturday night? God dang. Oh, Kenny would be so excited. But even though it's not that cold yet, that cool yet, it beats the hell out of August 31st last year against Ole Miss. You can ask Kenny. That was a miserable, like, mid-90s day. The worst, though, the worst was when we went to Mobile for the – Oh, yeah. What was that game? The second game of the year. second game of the The year. South Alabama game. South Alabama game. Was one of the hottest – I mean, it felt like hell's ass – on the field (laughs) (laughs) and they had those steel bleachers y'all y'all got this christian was up in the press box kenny was down on the field with a black shirt and pants on worst decision you know exactly what kenny i was a dummy that day shirt (laughs) he probably had black shirt and black pants on and a black hat yeah it was a that was that was terrible so i'm glad we're getting a little cooler weather to start the season but just overall excited that this is here and ready to go, ready to cover football again. It's just, it's it's exciting because we talked about it so many times and just thought that, will this day ever get here? Will we have football in 2020? And here we are in September and it's happening. Well, I was, I was extremely excited to see this Memphis offense before Kenny Gainwell decided to opt out. And I'm still really excited about it, but I think I'm, I'm like coming around to your sentiment about wanting to see what this defense has to offer. You wrote an article today talking about the Tigers' depth chart. I know one guy you love is Jaleel Clemens. Uh, But then, you know, at defensive end, like the biggest shocker you wrote about was John Cartwright. I mean, where is this man coming from? 6'2", massive. Yeah, so – so he's, I mean, as far as the 3-4 defensive end goes, he is a little bit smaller, and it's something that we we kept under wraps a little bit because they weren't sure if he was going to qualify and play in 2020 or blue shirt and play next season or what it was going to be. So it's something that we kept a little quiet, uh, but he had his freshman year at East Central Community College, came in, and obviously impressed the staff to beat out a guy like Morris Joseph, who played a pretty big role last year, uh, and to be listed as the the week one starter on the depth chart. That was, yeah, like you said, that was the biggest surprise. That one kind of blew me away. But Coach Silverfield really said in the in the press conference that John came in, came in late, but he came to work every day. He was ready to go. Uh, learned a lot from Coach Pope. He said that Coach Pope absolutely loves John Cartwright, which is a big reason why he is a starter. 
So yeah, there's always going to be some prizes on the week one depth chart. I can think back to last year and the previous year and and looking down and saying, okay, they they obviously see something that that we didn't see or didn't know that was going to happen, especially in a year like this where we haven't been able to watch practices. So that was that was the biggest one. But Brooks, I think you hit the nail on the head. I am so excited to watch this defense. The hype is always going to be around an offense, regardless, especially when it's a top ten group in the country. But I think this defense has an opportunity to be a top two maybe top three uh defense in the conference this year I know Cincinnati is probably the the early favorites have the best defense but the group that Memphis is Memphis is bringing back this year is full of veterans full of leadership uh they have a guy Mike McIntyre who is a very very well respected coach around college football Charles Clark has put a handful of defensive backs in the NFL Burt Watts is a former defensive coordinator at Fresno State uh, Kyle Pope has learned under some very good coaches at Alabama uh, and FAU. So there's a lot going on there. Uh, that defensive staff has a lot going for it. So very excited to see what they can put on the on the field this year. Um, and then when you look at T.J. Carter, J.J. Russell, O'Brien Goodson, Jaleel Clemens, who I'll go ahead and bookmark it and say he's going to be an all-conference player this year. We can clip that when it actually happens, but uh, we'll, we'll obviously have to wait a few months for that one. Uh, but I'm just excited all around. I think there's a lot of pieces on this defense. I think they're deeper than they've been in years past, and I think this is the best defensive staff Memphis has had in quite some time. Christian, there's a name missing in the uh, um, and on the defense that I wanted to ask you about, and that's Leandre Thomas. What happened? Where, where's he at on the depth chart? Uh, I mean, honestly, when you look at what Leandre did last year, uh, I think the way that he was beat on deep balls – really kind of turn the staff off on him is is kind of what I've heard uh, from 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 some people around the program and and since practice has started up again that he just fell behind and I, I kind of saw this coming from the end of last year because Sanchez Blake we know what he brings to the game as far as a hitter just scares receivers from coming over the middle and then when you look at Quindell Johnson I think he's their best cover safety I think he covers the most ground uh, I thought he should have got a little bit more run last year. And he did towards the end of the season. But I, I thought there were times last year when he was the best safety on the field. So you see Tyrez Lindsey as the reserve safety uh, behind both of them on the depth chart. I still think Landre hasn't has the potential to roll in some. Still got guys like Carlito Gonzalez, uh, freshman in and Darius Coffee that I think will play this year. Um, so there's a lot of safety depth. They only listed two deep on it and listed Tyrez as the backup for both. But honestly, the defensive staff has about six players that they could roll in and out at safety, and and I think they all could could do fairly well this year. Well, moving on from defense, obviously the story of the week that you broke is all centered on Kenny Gainwell. And another aspect of this story that no one's really talking about, we had some pretty persistent uh, VIP members that repeatedly asked, what about Corey Gainwell? Uh, given that Kenny is opting out for family, what about Corey? I mean, he's got the same family. If it's about the family, they have the same family. Why would Kenny opt out and Corey not opt out? And so you, you posted an update late last night that, you know, according to a source, Corey Gainwell fully intends to, and is expected to play this season. He will be a part of the team. He is not opting out. So one thing that I did want to point out, and this is just a personal soapbox item, Kenny Gainwell has a, a mountain of opportunity in front of him. 
He's he set himself up because of a tremendous freshman season. He has, you know, like the sky is the limit for this man in terms of the NFL draft. He has everything to lose by playing and and really not a lot to gain. You know, like you lose, you know, you put yourself in harm's way, possibly get injured. You're going to have stacked boxes coming after you. You're going to have guys looking out for you. You also have to worry about COVID. You have to worry about a, a myriad of things. Corey Gainwell doesn't have any of that goodwill built up with NFL teams. And, and I can guarantee you, Corey has the same aspirations as his brother. Uh, he he thinks he's as good as he, he can be as good as Kenny eventually. And Corey can't choose to opt out and have the same future as Kenny. He just can't. He doesn't have that leisure. He doesn't have that safety net. So, you know, let let the young man make a decision and let Corey make his own decision. I mean, I posted this earlier. I've got a, a brother who's exactly to the day 11 months older than me. And I can't tell you how many times I've made a decision that's completely counterintuitive than the way my brother uh, would have made a decision sometimes on purpose just to spite him. But, you know, uh, brothers, family is allowed to go in different directions. And that doesn't mean that, you know, me choosing one thing and my brother choosing another means that I'm being selfish and, you know, not looking out for my family and my brother is. So uh, I think that's the last thing I really want to say on Kenny Gainwell, wishing the best, hope he does well. Um, hope he sticks somewhere in that two to five round range um, and that he can just work out, kill it in front of NBA scouts and executives and, and maybe somehow make it into that, you know, top two, you know, that second round. I mean, I don't know if that's possible. Do you think that's even possible? Uh, I think, I think it's a stretch at this it's point. Tough. It's tough. Yeah. I mean, if he would have played this season, I think he definitely could have fallen in the second round. Uh, but with sitting out, I don't think it's a. I don't really don't think it's a possibility. Let me correct myself real quick because I, I made a mistake, just like Brooks did. Brooks said NBA execs, NFL execs. I said NFL. <laughs> I, I said Kyle Pope was at FAU. I totally meant Liberty there. I always get that confused because of Lane Kiffin and Hugh Freeze. They kind of seem like interchangeable personalities. Uh, I would yeah, say Brooks, Christian. I, I would say Christian that Kenny is going to have a really hard time getting into that second round to fifth round range in the NBA draft next year. It's going to be <laughs> it's going to be really tough. It's going to be tough. I mean, that's he's tough. probably very athletic, but that's going to be hard for him. No way he's a lottery pick. Yeah, yeah I don't see him being a lottery pick next year. But yeah, what a it coup! Is tough. What mean, a coup for the for the Memphis staff if Kenny Gainwell is picked in the second round of the NBA draft, though. Like that would be a feather <laughs> in the cap for the Man, Tiger football. Penny Hardaway at it again. <laughs> yeah, five five ten point guard. Uh, but yeah, Brooks, just just uh just to recap on that real quick. Uh, I agree. I mean, we've we've touched a lot on Kenny since the situation has went down. I I totally agree with what you said about Corey. And the last thing I I kind of want to touch on there is we don't know what his plan is. I mean, he could stay in Memphis throughout the off season if that's if that's what his plan is. If he wants to stay away from his family, so. We, we don't live in these kids' lives. We don't know what their plans are. It's not it's not our place to say, he should have done this, he should have done that. They are making the best decision for themselves that they feel at the time, and that and that's all they can do. And all we can do, uh, you know, as 
as people that cover the team and then the fans as fans is, is support those players because we're not changing their opinions. We're not going to change those guys' opinions and make him come back and play at Memphis. So there's no there's really no point in harping on something like that. Kenny Gainwell owes you nothing. And with that, let's take a quick break, hear from our sponsors. We'll come back on the other side to talk some college hoops. I've got a nugget about some name image likeness stuff that I want to drop in here. And then maybe we'll talk a little, I think we're just going to shoot the shit. So join us on the other side. All right. Welcome back everyone. And like I teased before, Christian and Kenny know nothing about this. So I am dropping this little nugget and this is a, this is a pretty big nugget. So I'm going to try my best to explain this in a way that makes sense. And then since Christian and Kenny don't know what I'm about to say, I'm going to let them ask questions to clarify just in case. So that way we can all be as clear as possible. So according to a source I I spoke to today, which is uh, someone who's very tight in is actually connected in the agent world and is trying to help some coaches, uh, some very, very, very high major blue blood level coaches figure out the NCAA's name image likeness, uh, the implementation of this new legislation. So the the plan is for the NCAA to implement name image likeness legislation and vote vote on it in January of 2021. One thing that has not been talked about with name image likeness is that the NCAA is almost creating a new uh, rule similar to an individual associated with the prospect, but they're doing it now with businesses, corporations, and boosters. So they are now deeming businesses, corporations, boosters that have a you know sponsorship available as as companies or entities associated with a program. So for example, if Bob's tractor company decides, Hey, we love Indiana basketball and we want to donate some money to Indiana basketball in 2020, Bob's tractor company donates hundred thousand dollars to Indiana university for the basketball program. Well, after the name image likeness legislation is passed, if it's still within that two-year window from 2020, Bob's Tractor Company cannot partake or cannot be involved with a name image likeness payment to a student athlete for the IU basketball program or football program. They are now deemed as an as a entity associated with a university and they cannot directly pay a student athlete for a commercial, for a billboard, for whatever. So it complicates things. I think it's like, I feel like the NCAA, what they're doing with this legislation is like trying to encourage people to find gray area and have to do it with like shell companies and create new like back doors into getting these kids paid. It's it, it's like you're doing this to, to clean it up, but you, with that legislation, with that rule, 
you're going to make it dirty. I'm any questions? I'm so confused by the legislation. Yeah, what I mean. So you talked. (laughs) Yeah, well, you you're you you put it perfectly in that these legislations that the NCAA is talking about trying to put in place the name name image likeness legislation is there to clean things up but yet it does sound much more convoluted like what what is the from your sources what are what's the reasoning behind that yeah i mean i think the NCAA is trying to avoid conflict between you know essentially a, a booster entity an organization a business a you know whatever massive corporation essentially funneling money to athletes as payment for play like a pay for play type of scenario where they're acting on behalf of the university essentially for example back in the day there's a point guard abdul gaddy he was a part of the John Wall Air Bledsoe class. And there was an article that came out about Abdul Gaddy's mother who worked for FedEx. And she was given a promotion, which meant more compensation by a University of Memphis booster, a rather large one. Um, so Memphis actually had to stop recruiting Abdul Gaddy because of that promotion. It's is the same type of concept. It's a way to avoid a direct relationship between a company and the university and funneling money to, you know, the number three overall rated prospect in 2022 as a way to get that kid committed to the University of Memphis or Kentucky or Florida or wherever. So here, here's my question, because you as you it's mentioned, crazy. it's. It's trying to limit these big corporations from going in and just pulling recruits straight out of high school to a school. But do you think they're also doing this to limit how much current players can make? Because you would think the people that would invest the most in these players would be the corporations that already invest in the team. So is this kind of the NCAA's way of limiting how much a particular player on a roster can be paid? Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's probably probably both. I mean, the reality is, if Bob's Tractor Company is the type of company that wants to invest in a prospect by, you know, paying them for marketing, for TV ads, for billboards, whatever, they're the same type of business that's going to be sponsoring IU basketball. I mean, it goes hand in hand. It's the same. You're going for the same audience with that sponsorship either way. So I think it, yeah, I mean, I think it's like you have to choose one or the other. And typically businesses are going to choose the school because it's a tax write-off. They feel more loyal to a school because it's been there. It's not like a one and done kind of thing. You know, but the other thing to me that it does is it, it opens up so much, you know, grimy backdoor behind the scenes, um, you know, like basement dwelling type of scenarios where you have a company who says, you know what, we're going to sh- set up a shell corporation 
and we're going to do all of our advertising through that or all of our donations to the University of Louisville through that. And we're going to continue paying players through the primary company, um, you know, and, and essentially separate the two so that they can do both. I think it, it's setting schools, coaches, players up for failure. And like you said, limiting the resources that are available. Yeah. I, I just, before we move on real quick, cause we do have more, more things to discuss and we're running a little bit long on this topic, but it's very interesting. Um, I think it opens the door, like you said, for a lot more sleazy things. Cause we know sleazy things already happen in college sports, but we know a lot of that can potentially come from boosters, and you've heard tons and tons of stories of boosters shaking hands with players after the game with wads of cash in their hands. So to me, this opens the question of, okay, you have a specific company, and then what if a high-up exec or a VP in that company decides that they want to help a specific player out, and then you know after every game, they're giving them two or $3,000. They're handing them a, a ton of money after a game, but they're also a company that's investing in the football program. That just opens up the door for scandals because, okay, this this company's giving the university a ton of money, but a high up exec in their company is handing uh, a quarterback of a team five thousand dollars after every game. That just it, it it gets way too convoluted, and it looks like that that could potentially get ugly because you have people that have different opinions. Some people may want to invest in the university, and others may want to invest in the players and and market the players. So. There's no telling what ends up coming out of that. It seems like to me, Brooks, that what the NCAA is trying to do is not limit the Bob's Trailer Tractor Company or whatever that uh, um, imaginary company that you put out there. They're trying to limit um, shoe companies from being um, directly involved in the recruitment of players to certain schools, um, involved in those kinds of things. They're trying to limit that, that, that shady kind of behavior. Um, so I guess that leads me to the question of, uh, and this might be something that you guys have already kind of worked through. I'm a little bit slower than the both of y'all when it comes to stuff like this, but let's just take it university of Memphis level real quick. University of Memphis is a Nike sponsored school. There are Nike players in preps AAU circuits things like that that are absolutely um kind of pushed and prodded towards certain schools because of the affiliation with the college and the shoe company my question to you is if if they are trying to with the name name image likeness legislation the goal is to help give players an opportunity to make some money while they are while their name image and likeness is being used to make millions of dollars for the NCAA while they're in school would that cause a shoe company like Nike or Adidas or whoever it may be decide to like we have to make a choice now are we going to sponsor the school or are we going to sponsor the player keep our hands on the, our claws into the player or keep our 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 sponsorship of the school because it seems like to me you can't do both and so they're gonna have to make a choice right not necessarily they're not they're not necessarily a direct investor of a specific university well if they're offering i think think it's more they're offering gear and they're sponsoring them in that sense and having their logos everywhere they're all this kind of stuff that would be a sponsorship right we're not just talking sponsorship isn't just 
handing of checks over to an organization. It's sponsoring them by giving them gear, being the retail outlet for all of their, their official, you know, sweatshirts and sweaters and things like that. Am I wrong or? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with every single NCAA legislation, it's, it's always up for interpretation. You know, even the, the new legislation related to uh, additional on-court coaching spots that can be applied for with a waiver, different, different compliant, the compliance departments have different views on what the NCAA deems to be a need for that position. So it's like, how do you interpret it? What does Kentucky say about it versus Memphis versus Florida versus UNC versus Duke versus Villanova? That's why I think there's, there's kind of a push to standardize some of the, the views on this legislation. I do think that you'll see that shoe companies will be limited in terms of what they do with players while they're on campus. But that doesn't mean that they can't still get their claws in there. I mean, if, if anything we've learned over the last three years is that shoe companies, they're going to get theirs regardless. And, you know, just because Nike can't sponsor a kid doesn't mean they can't provide money to a kid for name image likeness through one of their ancillary non-related businesses. Um, Nike owns a ton of companies and that are not direct su- supporters of specific universities like Duke or Memphis. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. All, all I know is that the the sky is the limit for college coaches to in terms of even in, evening the playing field with the G League uh, teams, but it also becomes very, very complicated. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be an interesting situation to watch shake out. But speaking of the NCAA, Memphis got some very good news from the NCAA over the weekend. Uh, this is something that we spent a ton of time talking about on previous episodes. And Virginia Tech grad trans or not grad transfer, Virginia Tech transfer, Landers Nolly has been deemed eligible by the NCAA. One of the best transfers on the market. Memphis now has him available. Uh, were you guys surprised at all by this? I know we've seen a lot of guys uh, deemed eligible by the NCAA, but everyone had a feeling in the back of their mind that because it was Memphis, Landers wouldn't be eligible. But here we are, and he is. I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum. Like, Landers and DeAndre Williams both have spectacular cases. But like you said, I mean, the battered fan, battered media syndrome for covering the University of Memphis is that this thing was not going to happen just because it's Memphis, just because of the the pending allegations with James Wiseman and Penny Hardaway and the way that that fiasco was handled by the university. It just felt like there's no way. But one down, one to go. And it just feels like there's a ton of momentum there for Memphis. Uh, DeAndre Williams' case, I, I know some people have asked about it. It's better than Landers. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. There apparently statements were made somewhere that things have changed. The Memphis staff doesn't feel as good as they once did, and this is a VIP level nugget, but I'm going to go ahead and drop it. There's nothing that has changed 
absolutely nothing about that statement is true. Memphis still feels really good about uh, DeAndre Williams. The biggest thing that helped with Landers Nolly is the Virginia staff, uh, Virginia Tech staff helped with his his uh, waiver. Memphis helped with Tyler Harris's waiver for Iowa State. Now the issue becomes, is Evansville fully on board? That's the issue. And, you know, his case is very good. If they have an administration and a basketball program in Evansville that's willing to come to the table and vouch for this waiver, I don't see any way that it does not happen. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is something we've kind of avoided the lineup conversation as far as the transfers go. And I know we don't want to get too deep into that right now. Basketball season's still a few months away, potentially not starting in January, so we have no idea. So I don't necessarily want to get too deep into lineup combos or anything like that. But we've really neglected talking about what Memphis's lineups could look like with Landers and or DeAndre in them, uh, just for the simple fact that we didn't know what was going to happen. So we didn't want to we didn't want to speak kind of out of context or or make some predictions or look at things and then it completely not come to fruition. But now when you take a look at this roster and what Penny Hardaway and the staff have, uh, what they're bringing back. Uh, what they get in Landers, what they get in Musa, what they get in a guy like Ahmad Rand and Isaiah Stokes, it's starting to become a very big reality that this Memphis team is better than last year's. We've said it multiple times, and it just the momentum continues to build for what this season can look like and for what this lineup, these potential lineups can look like. And I think at this point, you have limitless, limitless lineup combinations. You have a ton of athleticism, guys that can play all over the floor, and Landers kind of changes the dynamic of the team because he's basically another six foot seven guy that can play multiple positions and it's hard to find those type of guys uh, but Memphis has multiple of them so we always talk about how Penny Hardaway and the staff love playing with lineup combinations and I think they have even more that they can that they can mess around with this year and and put guys in different places and have uh, big power lineups and small ball lineups and uh, big guards that they, they they have so much size, so much athleticism. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what they do when the season actually starts. Yeah, it was hilarious to pay attention to the boards after Landers, um, his approval came through or his his ability to play came through um, because we started walking through lineups on the boards and it's staggering to see what adding one player like Landers Nolly to the team, to the active roster this year, is going to do for the lineups that that Penny has the opportunity to put out there on the floor. You're you're talking big man lineups. You're talking, you know, fast, tall, rangy, you know, lengthy lineups. You're talking, I mean, everything is out there for him. And so having Landers on the floor is going to um, just be a a a major win, I think all around for the for the team because of just what it does it opens up everything for them you know it just opens everything up so it's a good day it's a good week for the tiger basketball program getting that news well i mean like you say christian this team on paper even without deandre williams is better than last year's every guy i mean and this is from talking to multiple people that have been directly involved with offseason workouts and with with team practices, every guy who came back came back with a laser focus, came back better than they were last year. 
you know, a lot of people don't know this. We've talked about it multiple times on the VIP boards, but, you know, Boogie Ellis spent the entire offseason, you know, while, while he was quarantined out back home, uh, back in Cali, working with former number three overall pick in the NBA draft, multiple year all-star in Baron Davis. One, one of the, you know, like, I, I can't think of a dude who's better to work with Boogie. You know, like if in my head, I'm like, former player who has that West Coast swag that can, that that's a, you know, really good point guard, but can also get buckets. I, like, I just love that Boogie spent the time to work with him in the offseason. Kenny, you look like you're just like revving to go with a comment. No, I mean, I love it, man. Baron Davis is one of my favorite players of all time. I love Dude, he was like part of the reason why I loved the NBA back in the day. Right. Like, he's just a, I mean, one of the most epic plays that I remember from Baron Davis was when Golden State was the eighth seed. And I think, uh, was it Utah? Uh, was the one seed dunked on and he dunked Kirilenko. on Andre Kirilenko in the paint. And then, I mean, we're talking about a, a guy who just, I mean, it was devastating his injury that, that ended his career, but who, when he was on the floor was just the dynamic, dynamic player. And so you see everything that Boogie has put in since, you know, since quarantine, since he was back in California, you know, he's obviously put in the work. He's gotten bigger. He's He is a much more developed um, young man now than he was last year. And there's something about working. What we know about NBA players compared to a lot of college players is mentality, right? Like the difference is in the mentality, being able to have that switch flipped at any moment where you know I'm going to take over this game at any given time. We saw it last night in the NBA playoffs with Jamal Murray and Donovan Mitchell. I mean, Jamal Murray was unguardable last night. And and that's, that's one of the main differences between – a, a good college player and an NBA level player is somebody who can just at any given time take over the game and is literally unguardable. And I can't think of anybody better for Boogie to have spent time with to not only just get better at the skill sets and the, the game, but also to have some of that mentality downloaded into him than Baron Davis. Baron Davis is a dog. Decades a dog. of knowledge. And, and if Boogie can come back and start to see some success on the floor. We already know. I mean, we saw him, you know, in the uh, when he was in high school at the Jordan Brand game in Las Vegas. Christian and I saw him, and there was a level of confidence about him that was unmistakable. It just set him apart on the floor. And he was going up against um, what's the young kid that went to UNC, um, the point guard, um, Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony, yeah. And I mean, he was just there was no. There was no real discrepancy in their skill set out there because Boogie was just – he was in his element. He was going, going, going. There were times where you could tell that Boogie was pushing last year, that he was just – it was just a grind for him. And being able to spend time with a guy like Baron Davis is going to um, – if he can get a an eighth of that mentality for this season, man, we're going to see so much growth in his game. Yeah, so like just across the board, every dude – better then you add so many pieces that like Musa Cisse is he's as good as advertised he has made a massive impact in practice from day one Ahmad Rand 
Uh, so reports from what I'm hearing, Ahmad Rand has absolutely no idea how to play basketball. Like he he's not the most the, the most high IQ guy, but an absolute freak of nature who will find his way on the floor just because of his the things that you can't teach. And it, you know, so to me, he reminds me of like a six eight six nine version of DJ Stephens. DJ Stephens had no idea how to play basketball. Uh, freak of nature, athletically. So you find ways to take advantage of that. You put him in situations where he can succeed, and I, I do think that he'll still play. So, man, it's just top to bottom. This roster is really, really good. Last year we talked about obvious holes. They they had guys that could not create their own shot. They had uh, lack of depth in the post. They had to play guys out of position constantly. Um, you know, And one of those guys was DJ Jeffries constantly – out of position, precious Achua playing the five. And I'll be honest, man, like even looking at this roster, I still like DJ Jeffries playing some small ball at the four. Like I like him at the four. I think he's good there. Like he stretches the D, he shoots the ball really well. He's he's good going to the rim. He creates shots. Uh, He's a good defender because of his length. Like I like that, but – I do know that DJ wants to switch to the four. There's so much we could get into. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to stop. I I, I get the feeling that when we see Ahmad Rand on the court, y'all remember playing Sonic the Hedgehog, right? Like how chaotic it was. And I feel like we're going to get a version of that chaotic Sonic the Hedgehog type energy where you're going to look up and you're going to be like, okay, what just happened? And Ahmad's going to have three blocks, five rebounds, eight points on a put ba- on putbacks. You know, he's going to be getting a couple of charges in the paint. Imagine having the freakish um, defensive jumping ability, having Musa Cisse and Ahmad Rand at the four and five at some point in a game when you need to stop at the rim. Nobody. Let me, let me go ahead and squash that. Let me go ahead and squash. You, you won't see that this year. Oh. Period. Well, okay. I'm just, I'm just telling you. For well, you everyone just, listening out you there, just you, ruined, you, you will, just ruined my flow because I was going with you, it. I could picture it. You will it. not see. You know, <laughs> uh, let me just – and here's why. Musa Cisse is not the type of guy in the post that can create his own shot. Uh, you know, you've got two, two guys at that point that really bring nothing offensively to the table outside of, you know, screen and roll, you lob it up, putbacks are in transition. And yeah, I mean, that's kind of what you want from your bigs nowadays anyway, but you're going to see a mod Rand at the five with Lance Thomas at the four where Lance can stretch the floor. You give a chance to, you know, drive and dish at the rim to a mod. Uh, that's, that's what you'll see from him. You won't see him when Musa Cisse very much, if at all. Ever, I wish y'all. I wish I, I wish y'all could see Kenny's face right now. He's definitely pissed off. Brooks just. I can still. I can still dream. Brooke, okay? Brooks. Just I can dream on everything he said, you sh- but <laughs> you shattered. <laughs> you shattered my dream over here, Brooks. Thank you for that, Brooks. Like like you You're said, welcome. we really could go on this forever. So I I just have one last thing before we can before we can wrap this up, and we will go a lot more in depth on this as the year kind of progresses, and we know 
when basketball season will start because we could probably do a whole 45-minute episode just breaking down the roster. But one thing that we've said consistently dating back to March, April, before Memphis really got any guys like Musa Cisse and Landers Nolly and DeAndre Williams, we were we were consistently saying they needed a bucket getter opposite of DJ Jeffries. You know what he can do. We know he can go get a bucket. But that's something that we said they needed badly. And now you have a guy in Landers Nolly who was one of the best players in the best conference in college basketball last season in the ACC. Uh, you We mentioned uh, Boogie Ellis working with Baron Davis and, and the rave reviews that he's drawn so far in practice. Another guy that could potentially go get a bucket. We know Lester can hit shots and brings a dog mentality. They have multiple guys now that can go get a bucket at any time, which is extremely dangerous on a college basketball team because typically, not with every team obviously, but typically there's one guy on a college basketball team that you know when he gets the ball in a certain situation, he's going to shoot it and more than likely make it. When you have a multitude of those guys, when you have three or four of those guys, you become extremely difficult to guard for any defense, regardless of if you're playing you know, in conference games or if they do get to play out of conference games against some of the top 10 teams in the country, it's almost impossible to guard a college basketball team with three to four guys that can go get a bucket at any moment. Yeah, and then you have a, a guy that can jump 42 inches and go up and touch the top of the backboard and get get a lob at the rim. You know, so it tons to be optimistic about. It feels like 2020 has taken out everyone and everything. The one thing that I think the University of Memphis staff, the basketball staff is hoping that COVID takes out is is Memphis's turnover problem. <laughs> so, uh COVID if you're out there looking for your next victim, go for the turnovers. Uh so guys, I've got nothing else. Y'all got anything? Christian, you good? I'm good. Kenny? That was funny. (laughs) No, I'm good, though. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis athletic program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 